Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you, and so pleased that Congressman Mark Pocan is back with us. He will be taking your calls during this first hour of our Wednesday program. Feel free to give us a shout at uh, 202-90... What is our phone number? 90... 808-9925. That's right, 202-808-9925. And... Uh, Congressman, welcome back. Hey, thank Tom. thanks, Tom. It's really uh, great to be back. You wanna you wanna let our listeners know where you've been the last couple of weeks? Sure. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, three weeks ago today, um, I underwent a, a triple bypass uh, surgery uh, here in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, and uh, make a very long story short, uh, I've been working out uh, pretty extensively, and I. Um, because of it, I wound up going to the doctor for a test, and uh, they've kind of found this uh, through um, just some routine uh, sort of tests, and we did a catheterization, so I had uh, two really, really blocked arteries, 100% and 90%, and a Yikes. third one they couldn't quite tell. And um, So I, I underwent the surgery three weeks ago, uh, mending every single day. Um, I, I'm covered by the Affordable Care Act, so I'm very... Uh, fortunate that I had good health insurance and was able to have a pretty major surgery and uh, have it covered. Um, and uh, now I'm just kind of mending every day, hoping to soon get cardiac uh, therapy once the insurance company approves it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> part of the process. But yeah. um, literally every day I'm, I'm getting better, and uh, I'm just really glad to be back on the program. Many of your uh, listeners have been incredibly kind, sending nice thoughts uh, via Twitter and, and Facebook and other uh, ways, and I just really appreciate it, and it's, it's great to be back. Great. Thank you. And, and ways to reach Congressman Pocan, his website is uh, house. Uh, excuse me, pocan.house.gov, and your Twitter handle is rep, as in representative, R-E-P, Mark, M-A-R-K, Pocan, P-O-C-A-N, uh, the Twitter handle. So, Congressman, uh, you know, be- before we put any callers on here, I'm, I'm curious, it's, it's been a while since we've talked. Yes. We've, we've got uh, this report this morning over at Common Dreams showing that in the last week, uh, ABC has devoted 25 seconds to net neutrality, CBS two, two minutes and one second, and NBC zero hours, zero minutes, zero seconds to net neutrality. 
seems to me like this is the biggest story of the day. What's going on? You know, I'll tell you, and that's the problem uh, on multiple fronts, right? I mean, there's a lot of really major legislation or uh, action like net neutrality that could happen in the next 30 days, and it's getting uh, very little attention or not sufficient attention for some of the, the details of it. Net neutrality is pretty basic, right? We know that um, you've got uh, a decision that could be coming in the next several weeks that could change uh, almost completely the way the Internet uh, is run, where they can you know, suddenly charge uh, differently for speeds of how you're going to be able to contact uh, consumers and really change what the Internet was founded on and intended for. And, it, it, again, the big companies, of course, are, even though they're saying, oh, we won't do anything like that, you, know, you and I both know how long that's going to last right. <laughs> until their next uh, shareholder meeting or the next time the CEO decides he needs a, a new corporate jet, and then they're going to right away uh, go ahead and start uh, taking advantage of that. You know, that. That's one of the issues. You know, the, the tax bill that's going through the House and Senate, um, you know, I'm really worried about. I, to me, this is something that could have a generational impact. If they put $1.4 trillion onto the deficit, and they uh, lower taxes uh, for some people in the middle class for a limited amount of time, raise for others, but have these deep cuts for corporations and the very wealthy, at some point we're going to have to pay for some of that, uh, and it's going to come back to Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, things that, uh, again, the middle class already are getting shortchanged on the tax cuts, are going to then have to pay more, and this is going to have a huge, huge impact and uh, I, I just don't feel like um, we're, we're having as much attention on it, again, as we should. And a uh, government shutdown. I mean, the 101 of government is keep it open, right? right. Uh, we've got a December 8th deadline coming up, and uh, the president would rather tweet insults uh, than actually sit down and figure out how to get this done. And, you know, these are just some of the really big issues. And, you know, chip funding and... Uh, you know, for kids' uh, health care, uh, we've got issues like the health care aspects in the tax bill, which I'm, you know, especially heightened to uh, these days. Um, Perkins uh, loans, you know, didn't get reauthorized as of September 30th. We were okay until about December, uh, and there's going to be start being real ramifications. That hasn't been done, even though we have over 230 members of Congress on a bill. I mean, I could just go down the list. There's so many things, Tom, and, uh, you know, mm. Uh, Congress is just not real good at getting important stuff done these days. Yeah. And and Bruce Bartlett, who was uh, Reagan's principal domestic policy advisor, one of his main economic advisors, and was the uh, number two or three or four guy at the Treasury Department during uh, George Herbert Walker Bush's presidency. Bruce Bartlett, uh, you know, famous conservative Republican, uh, you know, uh, thinker, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, et cetera. Bruce Bartlett has come out and said this is a specific strategy that the Republican Party has been, you know, all about for a long, long time. And he just, I mean, he literally just lays it right out. Um, he says, uh, we've played this game before. For decades, conservative intellectuals have pushed for big tax cuts. I'm quoting Bruce Bartlett. Less to grow the economy and more because they want to, quote, starve the beast. They want to force a major overall spending cut that would be a political non-starter without first passing a tax cut that creates a deficit so large, something must be done about it. There's already a $25 billion cut to Medicare in this bill just for next year and every year going forward because of sequestration. He says, same with Social Security, although it's sneakier and will take longer to play out. The bill changes the index for figuring out tax brackets to the chain CPI 
And he basically says it's just a matter of time before the chain CPI starts getting applied to Social Security as well. So this bill, he says, literally, the second the ink is dry on this tax cut, deficit hawks will emerge from their hibernation, where they have had nary a word of criticism about increasing the deficit by $1.5 trillion to demand that Social Security and Medicare be slashed because the deficit has mysteriously increased. This is Bruce Bartlett's tweet yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, first they cut taxes for their donors, the donor class, and some people like Chris Collins from New York has been very upfront about if they don't do this, they're not getting any more money. I mean, he... he yeah, Lindsey Graham said that, too. Yeah, it, it is as simple as that, but at the same time, uh, they know exactly what they're doing. You know, this is the stuff that Paul Ryan, remember, he talked about at Keggers, what he, you know, was planning on doing for a very long time. And uh, this is what, if they can provide tax cuts to the wealthiest, uh, and if they can then come back and cut these programs, uh, this is what their vision is. But, you know, this isn't the vision by any polling of what the country actually wants. And I think a lot of the information isn't out there. There's a lot of, you know, different numbers. There's different bills. There's a House bill and a Senate bill, and there ought to be reconciliation. It gets very complicated, but it's got huge, huge ramifications. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, we have just just a minute left before we're going to hit a break, and then we can start picking up phone calls. Um, what's your your sense of of Congress on this tax bill? I mean, it's already passed the House, right? But but it still has to go to reconciliation. Right. Well, it still has to pass through the full Senate yet. Now they right. did get it through committee, but even people like Ron Johnson from Wisconsin, you know, said he was going to vote against it, voted for it in committee. I mean, these these folks will roll in a second because this is for their donor class. So right. I'm I'm very. Um, pessimistic when I say I think they'll do everything they can to get a bill out of the Senate. The real question then will be the fight between which special interest wins through the reconciliation process uh, between the House and the Senate. So we have to push back hard. Uh, good news is this morning I saw a poll already they're getting declining support on their tax bills. Uh, we have to make sure that we're being heard and people have to be as active as they were on health care on this tax bill. Yeah, amen. And let's call all speak up. It's time to call your senator, particularly if your senator is from uh, Alaska or Wisconsin, Murkowski. They're trying to buy her vote with uh, drilling in Anwar, Ron Johnson. He wants more pass-throughs. Of course, his, his family business is a pass-through business. Oh, God. Yes. Congressman, Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour right after this. Stick around. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Representative Mark Pocan, you can tweet him at Rep Mark Pocan. Please thank him for showing up today. And uh, pocan.house.gov is his website. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Howard in Detroit, Michigan, watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Howard, you're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocan. What's on your mind? Hello, this is Howard. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, uh, I just wanted to address a couple of things that you were speaking about. And I, I'm 62 years old, and a lot of people don't understand. Uh, am I doing something wrong? Pardon, Howard? Oh, you can hear me? Yeah, just yeah. fine. Keep, keep talking. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'll be just listening to what a lot of people uh, make uh, misunderstand. Uh, I'm a black guy, and I'm 62. I was raised in a predominantly poor neighborhood. And these people became my very, very good friends. Okay, very good, like, like brothers, you know. And um, what I found was the government separated us with money and housing and stuff like this. Uh, even though this is my best friend, by me being black, me moving to the neighborhood, they couldn't go to the banks there. Properties, uh, uh, values went down and stuff like this. And I think it's a lot of prejudice stuff that is driving the forces of today 
uh, with uh, President Trump and everything, and people are, a lot of people are looking at uh, the status quo or where they're at as far as like, um, you know, I got, I'm sending my kids to school, this is that and the other, and I, my life is okay. Although they know this is not right, but I don't want to do anything to rock the ship. And so um, I think that uh, media, like people like you, that I appreciate very much, because I'm not a prejudiced person, as I say, a lot, and I, I don't like to use this in a negative way. A lot of my friends that I grew up with that will protect me under various different types of things, black or white, but we were raised together. Yeah, Howard, we just and, have a minute and a half left for Congressman Pocan to respond to your comment or your question. Um, okay. Was there a specific question in there the, somewhere? Yeah, well, as far as the Donald Trump thing, um, I think that that's driven, I come from Florida too, I think that's driven a lot by a lot of uh, prejudice on okay. that deal there. Congressman Pocan, your thoughts on Howard's comments? Thank you, Howard. I agree 100%. Uh, Howard, you know, I'll tell you, the most frustrating thing for me, I think, was um, when we saw Charlottesville, and I saw our president say that there's very fine people who are neo-Nazis and uh, clanners and, and, and all the rest, and it was just disgusting to hear that from the leader of the free world. And then just most recently, in the last 24 hours, he's retweeting uh, far extremist uh, right-wing um, British uh, tweets of videos, uh, again, attacking Muslims. Uh, this is so unpresidential, and yet he's our president. And trust me, uh, I think you're right. Many of his decisions are based on what's good for him, his family, the members of Mar-a-Lago, his cabinet, and that's about where it ends. Do you know, Congressman, of any white athletes that Donald Trump has gone after? <sighs> no, I don't. <laughs> it's just, you know, everything he does, when you look back at it, there's a racial element to it so often yeah. and you know while Mexican yeah, judge an element of his base that that's where they were attracted to him from you would think at some point he would realize the job of being president you know the Bushes did it uh, Carter uh, Obama go through all recent presidents regardless of party realizes you have to be better than yourself as president and this guy is still just that same old Donald Trump that uh, we deserve so much better in a president yeah amen amen Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour. More right after this. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X-Chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X-Chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X-Chair want you to feel the X-Chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X, chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code TOM. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom, that's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com, and be sure to use T-H-O-M as the promo code for your $100 discount. Welcome back. Congressman Mark Pocan on the line, taking your calls 
Fred in West Palm Beach, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman. How you Bill doing, Kim. sir? Fred? Yes, sir. How you doing? Great. You're on the air. Okay. Well, I want to say that we got a very unique president. Good president like we never, ever, United States had it. Ever. Okay? Everybody thinks that he has no respect, no, yeah. no. Fred, what's your question for the congressman? A Fred, Sir, oh, oh, let, Fred? Me, let me let me explain. No, no. Uh, let me let me ask you. We have we have a, a U.S. congressman on the line for the hour, and there's a there's I got ten other people on the line who want to talk to him. If you can't sure. ask a question in thirty or forty seconds okay, or a minute or less, question, I'm going to move on to the next caller, Fred. What what your question is? So what's your question? Well, I I call to talk about the uh, Medicaid, Medicare, and all of that. It's all fraud. Okay. All right, uh, Fred. If you don't want to, if you don't have a question for the Congress, and call back tomorrow, you can talk to me, Carol, in Murrells Island, Murrells Inlet, South Carolina. Hey, Carol, you're on the air. What's up? Hi, Tom, and uh, thank you for taking my call. I have a question for the congressman about um, the defense budget. I'm, I'm hearing the number six hundred billion batted about, and it's appalling to me. Okay, back when I was in college. Uh, I uh, got to take advantage of a program called the National Defense Student Loan Program. That was in the 70s, and it was either a rider put on the budget or something because the Defense Department was, was getting so much money. It helped me to get through college with uh, a 3% loan and um, for four years as a part of my financial aid package. I'm wondering if the Progressive Caucus, if someone could force the uh, current administration to put something like that into these uh, obscene um, Pentagon budget bills that they're talking about. Thank yeah. you. Interesting. Congressman? Yeah, Carol, I'll tell you, I, the Progressive Caucus, you know, we put together an annual budget every year, and when you look at what we do with defense spending versus uh, what you see out of the Republicans and quite honestly, even out of the Democratic budget, it, it's significantly different, you know, and I think uh, we have tried to, whether it be Barbara Lee, get a reauthorization about going into war um, that we've had in place since 9-11, so we actually have something where, again, we're following the Constitution and Congress is getting involved uh, to a lot of other levels. Uh, we've been putting amendments forward. Right now, this Congress um, hasn't been especially helpful in doing that, although, I, to be fair, there are some Republicans that have joined in with us on these efforts. Um, I think the the real tragedy that's out there is, you know, even as we're talking about a government shutdown, the Republicans are basically saying Democrats won't uh, do anything to work with us on this, and uh, we have to get money for defense as Donald Trump gets involved in more and more uh, altercations after he, quite honestly, promised just the opposite. Uh, you know, this is going back to uh, the bad politics of especially what you see with Republicans. So I think we're really, really concerned that they're going to keep spending more and more and more on defense. Uh, cause a $1.4 trillion hole in the deficit uh, because of a tax bill. And then what's left are all the programs that people actually need to count on, uh, and those are the ones that are going to get caught uh, and get cut. And I think we have to speak out right now, especially on the tax bill, because, it, it, trust me, that and the uh, potential shutdown are going to have impacts on defense spending and all the rest of the spending. And I think you can really connect the two. So if you care about uh, that we spend too much on defense and not enough on programs that help people, we've got to stop the tax cut, and we've got to make sure that uh, we um, figure out keeping government open but not doing it at the sake of just putting all the money into defense. Russell in Hickory Hills, Illinois. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Pocan. I was wondering, if you guys privately talked among yourselves what you're going to do when you get all three branches 
of the Congress back, like how you're going to turn this country around, like put Medicare, Medicaid, maybe in a lockbox or something. You guys talk how you're going to do that. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people have informal conversations, but I mean, quite honestly, you know, we're we're right now. Um, looking forward to what we're seeing in polling where uh, a lot of the generic ballot uh, uh, whatever Republican incumbent against a generic Democrat we're seeing a really high numbers for a generic Democrat we have 24 seats to pick up in the House I think it's widely held that the House is in play I think the Senate is a little trickier although again when they do what they're doing with health care and taxes and other issues even the Senate potentially could get there but that's going to be a tougher road and then you still have to get the White House, which is still three years down the road. So unfortunately, it's all a little bit farther than what we're dealing with right now, which is how do you stop them from what they're going to do and do this large transfer of wealth from the grassroots on up? And how do you stop them from taking away health insurance? In the most recent proposal, 13 million people would lose access. Uh, I think we're really trying to deal with the here and now, uh, but privately, many of us have conversations about where we need to go, and we're introducing bills, and like I said, again, the Progressive Caucus budget, you look at that, that is, I think, for many of us, our vision of what we would do if we were in that place, and we're trying to hopefully get there, uh, some of it next year, and some of it a little farther down the road. Yeah. this uh, We're going to hit a break here in just a few seconds, but uh, this this is a really big deal. Uh, I mean, these, these are principles, isn't it? Uh, well, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm ranting here. It, it just, it just, it, it just seems to me like there should be a place, someplace where it says these are the principles of the Democratic Party. I guess there already is the party platform, right? Which, which no one really reads. But yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, here we stand with Social Security. We stand with yeah. Medicare. We stand with unionization and working people. I mean, just the straightforward stuff. We'll be back with your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan right after this. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. It's Middays with Mark, Congressman Mark Pocan, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, representing Wisconsin. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us, taking your calls for the hour. Congressman, uh, just, just got news that one of the three uh, videos that Trump retweeted this morning from this uh, far-right it's not even far right. It's a it's a racist, uh, uh, you know, anti-Muslim, uh, you know, right wing group in in the UK. Uh, one of those videos is supposed to be a picture of a Muslim beating up a Dutch boy on crutches. And right. It's already been confirmed that the incident took place in the Dutch town of Monikadam, and the 16 year old perpetrator, who is characterized in the video that Trump retweeted as a Muslim beating up a Dutchman, it actually is a 16 year old beating up a Dutchman. But the 16-year-old perpetrator, who was arrested, by the way, is neither a migrant nor a Muslim. He is an ordinary Dutchman, presumably a Christian. So much for Donald Trump. Anyhow, yeah. just wanted to share that with you. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to have a president who behaves like this president. Yeah, it is. I, I think, frankly, it's worse than that. It, it concerns me tremendously. Carol in Manassan, Manassan, Pennsylvania, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. Yeah, those tweets really are embarrassing. I have a question for the, the congressman. Go for it. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm glad you're feeling better. Thank I you, haven't Mary. heard a lot of people um, bring up the fact that this transfer of wealth to the wealthiest is, quote, unquote, permanent. And that troubles me because if that's the case, and it raises the deficit by trillions of dollars, 
won't that ultimately result in a, a scarcity of money for all the social benefits that people really need in, in the years to come, like Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security? What will be the effect of that if this is permanent? And is anything really permanent? I mean, is there no way that can be undone once it's done? That's my question. Yeah, Carol, uh, great point, great question. Uh, and, and what you're pointing out is, I think, one of the biggest problems with what they're doing. Uh, if you make $30,000 a year by 2019, your tax uh, benefit, if there is any, depending on where are your other, you know, uh, how you file taxes are, uh, are gone by 2019. If you make 75000 in 10 years, those benefits are completely gone uh, if you wound up getting a benefit. But all the lower corporate tax rate, all the other things that they're doing for the wealthy, for the inheritance tax, et cetera, are permanent. So what we've done is put in place um, really the transfer of wealth, again, from the grassroots to the, the wealthiest in this country, uh, the little crumbs that may fall on some people in the middle class will permanently go away uh, in a certain time period, depending how much you make. And at the end of the day, there's a huge hole uh, in the deficit that they're going to immediately come back um, and say, well, not, we've got to take care of this. The deficit is, is ballooning. And as if you know, they didn't just do it, and that's going to mean cuts to things that people count on, and that includes things like Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare. And, uh, again, what most people in this country rely on just to get by. So we have to make sure that people understand that. That's why, you know, for me in many ways this is, is, is absolutely as important as the health care bill and getting people to call up and explain. You know, some people I think are a little confused by the numbers. We're not seeing the same intensity as we did in the health care bill. But the bottom line is everyone relies on Social Security. Everyone relies on Medicare. And those are all at risk because of what they're doing. David in Woodland Hills, California. Hey, David, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I have a, a progressive tax idea for you, Congressman, and I can sum it up in 20 seconds. The poor and the middle class pay a Social Security and Medicare tax on 100% of their income. The income of the wealthy subject to this tax is capped at 117000 after which they pay zero Social Security and Medicare tax. The wealthy were granted this tax break in part because they were already subject to a progressive income tax, which taxes a higher percentage of their income than everyone else, so cut them a break on this one. Being as the Republicans are in the process of eliminating the progressive tax, it is now time to eliminate this tax break. The wealthy must pay Social Security and Medicare tax on 100% of their income, just like everyone, and income is income, zero exceptions. Finally, if the rich say we'll get back less than we put in, I was born in California in the 1950s, and my entire life we've gotten back far less than we've put in, so there is precedent. Yeah, David, if, if your point was, if the Republicans were consistent on their thought or logic, uh, what you're saying would, would make a lot of sense. However, I can tell you, Republicans are never consistent on their logic. This is about empowering their donors and the wealthiest, uh, and uh, they won't go there. But your point is really valid, especially around Social Security. I mean, this cap, I think now it's more like 126000 give or take. Yeah, it goes up it, every year. Adjust a little bit. Um, this year, but uh, still painfully low where they're not paying another dime into Social Security. And just lifting that cap completely, um, I've been told, would extend Social Security's life for 75 years. Just even adjusting it um, to uh, a different number, taking consideration of inflation when that happened, would 
preserve those programs for a lot longer. Instead, uh, with this tax cut they're putting out there, we're going to have this hole in the deficit, and I can almost guarantee they're going to go back to these programs to try to deal with it. And, uh, again, your point about logic, if, if they were operating on a logical level, uh, that would be a good argument. Um, but I do think your point around Social Security is especially valid that many of us have talked about why we need to adjust that cap. Marty in Evergreen Park, Illinois. You're on the air with Congressman Mark Pocam. Hey, Tom. Thanks for taking my call, and, uh, and thank you for your time, uh, Congressman. Um, my, my question to you is I just wanted to get your thoughts um, on the president's uh, nom- nomination of Mick Mulvaney um, and uh, the willful disregard for the rules of law regarding the succession um, that the Congress has set for the CFPB. And uh, just seeing if there's anything that we can do or just get your thoughts on how or why he's just able to kind of bypass all the rules that Congress set, you know, for, yeah. for that position. I hear you, Marty. Absolutely. I mean, clearly the way the rules were set up was not to have the president doing this. He's going in there trying to do a power grab, right? He wants to get rid of the bureau that's, that's returned uh, billions of dollars already back to uh, millions and millions of dollars back to uh, the, the citizens, and they're doing the job as they're supposed to. Now, are there things that we could tweak with how it operates? Absolutely, but we're not functioning as a Congress to even do that. But for him to go in and try to essentially kill that on behalf of Wall Street, that's exactly what he's trying to do. He wants to roll it completely back to pre-Dodd-Frank, uh, to pre-having that agency in place, and then we're going to be all at the the lottery, the roulette wheel of how they ran the banking system in this country. So, um, no, absolutely, this is a power grab. You should be calling your members of Congress, pushing them to do something. I'm sure this is still pretty fresh. So I'm sure there will be um, legislative and other uh, lawsuit and other maneuvers going to be happening to try to address this, but uh, this is pretty fresh, uncharted territory, president doing a power grab that uh, I would argue is, is illegal, and uh, he's doing it just to empower, uh, again, Wall Street. We need to speak out or we're going to be exactly where we were in 2008. Don in St. Peter's, Missouri, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning, Congressman. Morning, Don. Uh, you know, I really am concerned that democracy itself is at risk. We do hear a whole lot about election fraud. Is this a real problem? And what is being done to to make sure that our votes are safe? And yeah, Don, thank you, sir, for the, the, taking your time with us this morning. Sure, uh, Don. The the fraud uh, around elections is that people are claiming there's election fraud. Um, people don't uh, go out and try to break the law to vote twice or to illegally vote. Um, you know, I used to serve in the legislature here in Wisconsin for 14 years, and during one of these other periods where they wanted to go after it and make it harder for people to vote because they wanted to make it harder for certain people to vote because they want to, again, pick the voters rather than the voters picking their elected officials. You know, we had an extensive study of voter fraud, and it came down to, after an entire state of Wisconsin major investigation, including a serious investigation by the Milwaukee District Attorney, uh, specifically in Milwaukee County, uh, there was one woman who, when she went to vote, she was a new voter, a new citizen, went to vote, uh, and her name had a check next to it. She already voted, which was probably a clerical error. Um, we just don't have that. I, I got politifacted once, and a lot of politicians don't like to get politifacted, uh, saying that you're more likely to get struck by lightning than commit um, in-person voter fraud, and I got one of the rare truths that they give out, because that's the actual facts. So the fraud of election fraud is that you're claiming there's election fraud by voters. Instead, it's perpetuated. It's really out there, and Tom has said it many times, to steal 
essentially take away our um, what should be a right to vote, although that's a whole other conversation. We need to put that in the Constitution yet. But uh, the fraud around all of this is this: they want to pick voters rather than letting voters pick elected officials. And we got to battle this across the country. Yeah, the, the phrase right to vote appears five times in the Constitution. Um, this, it seems to me like this is a Supreme Court problem, but I don't know. Uh, you're, uh, we have a little less than a minute before we hit a hard break here, Congressman. Um, thoughts on what can be done to remedy this problem? Well, you know, part of it we've been, you know, trying to fix some of the, the problems that were decided by the Supreme Court a few years ago that, you know, we're, we're kind of playing whack-a-mole, right, in states and try to fix it in each state and each um, area where they do something to make it harder to vote. Um, Keith Ellison and I have introduced a bill um, that would give a constitutional right to vote, explicit constitutional right to vote, which um, we don't have in the way that we need to. Um, because if you had an explicit right to vote, any state that made it harder for someone to vote would have to prove they haven't harmed your constitutional right, which is the highest right you have. Right now, you have to prove you've been harmed. It would change the burden. So it's something that I hope someday um, that we can get uh, the, the build the support for and try to get it passed. But, you know, it, it needs to happen. Um, we absolutely have to have that if we're going to have that great equalizer, which is the right to vote, so that the Koch brothers and my brother and I have the same rights when it comes to that. Uh, we probably need to have something like this in place, or we're going to be fighting it in every local community. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Amen. Back with more of your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, representing the state of Wisconsin in the U.S. House right after this. And welcome back. Lowell, watching Free Speech TV on the cable system there in Salem, Oregon. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Congressman Pokan and Tom. Um, uh, I have a question about the if we can uh, put forth a bill to repeal the 1995 Congressional Accountability Act, which uh, created that slush fund for sexual harassment, hmm. and um, it might create a good um, PR for Democrats as well, because we, we all know that when Republicans put forth a bill, they always put a poison seed in it. And that was that was it in this one. Thoughts? Yeah, I, Lowell, I think you know we are having a, a great heightened awareness right now around sexual harassment, and I'm thinking that I look at the bill that Jackie Spears put out there, which I think most Democrats are supporting right now to try to really make it so that there's accountability by members of Congress and within the the institution that we don't have a place because, as you said, uh, all too often we find ways to protect ourselves or put some little provision in a law. Um, so I'm hopeful that with all the heightened awareness and what's happening right now, one, we're empowering uh, people to be able to, to tell their stories, and two, uh, that we're at a place that we can actually um, you know, help educate you know, uh, people as well to, to know what harassment is. I mean, I'll tell you, I've been told that I have not had a chance to see the video that they're doing right now in the House of Representatives. And it's uh, a terrible product. It's basically showing a chief of staff talking to a staff person, pushing the limits. And at the end, they say, well, this isn't harassment because they didn't do this. It should be just the opposite, telling you mm. what not to do, not telling you essentially how you get around the law. Uh, we've got a lot of improvement to do, and Congress needs to step up in its own house. Wow, amazing. Uh, John. In McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan. We have a minute and a half till we hit the break, so please make it quick, John. Well, thank you for taking my call, Tom. Mr. Pocan, I recently, um, I get updated by the U.S. Tech Clock every now and then. I was on Tom's show about two, three weeks ago talking about um, the information under the U.S. Tech Clock said that U.S. Senate 
the senators were supposed to vote on um, giving us all new Social Security numbers because of the Equifax hack that they were saying that um, all of us, more or less, that got credit scores, all of our information has been stolen. And I heard the U.S. Senate was supposed to vote to give us all those Social Security numbers. Also, because they're playing regulations on Bitcoin, it's nearing $10,000. And also, is there going to be any investigations into J.P. Morgan in, um, in manipulating the price of silver? Okay, we have 42 seconds left, Congressman. You can pick any question you want. <laughs> yeah, there's a it. whole lot of questions in there. Oh, we um, ask people to only ask ask one question, so you, you, yeah, you get your choice. I, I, you know, I think the Equifax um, issue is one where I know that there are a number of pieces of legislation to try to address. I'm not familiar with uh, a, a measure where the Senate would be voting to give everyone new Social Security numbers, so I can't. Yeah really address that. Um, but uh, I'll tell you, it is funny that you brought up the debt clock period, because given where right now the Republicans in Congress are and what they're doing to the deficit and all the rhetoric they've had over the years about that and watching in the tax bill, we need to remind people of that, because it's going to come back, but it's going to come back when it really hurts us as they go after programs like Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Yeah, and they will use the debt clock to say, we can't Absolutely. afford that damn Social Security anymore. we got to hand that over to Citicorp and Wells Fargo. Yep, they're going to bring that up and shine it and polish it. There you go. And uh, and it's an old game that they've been playing. They've been playing it since the 1930s. And, it, and it's like Lucy, you know, Americans continue to fall for it. We'll be right back with more of Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. Stick around. Welcome back, Congressman Mark Pocan, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, uh, representing Wisconsin's, it's the 5th District, right, Congressman? Uh, second district. Second district. Wisconsin's second district. Uh, brilliantly in the U.S. House of Representatives. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan, the website pocan.house.gov. And Larry in Oquaka, Illinois. Am I saying that right, Larry? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening um, on SiriusXM. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Uh, yeah. Um, my, my, I, give me that 20 seconds to set up my question. Um, Social Security is a separate fund, and it's it's funded by payroll deductions has nothing to do with the debt or the deficit has never added a dime to it. Okay, in a few years it's going to turn around where we got to start taking money out of our uh, reserve fund. Why can't they not take the treasury notes that we have in there, give them back to the federal government, let them sell them to somebody else, put the money in, in our Social Security, and keep it solvent? So, Larry, I think the assumption you're having is a very rational assumption, is that we want to, everyone in Congress wants to make sure that Social Security is strong and, and there for everyone in the future. The problem is that's not the philosophy of many. Uh, you know, by changing, for example, uh, the amount of, that people get as an increase every year, uh, CPI is a bad index because it relies heavily on things like gasoline and energy prices. And, you know, my 88-year-old mother hasn't driven for a while, thankfully, uh, and yet it doesn't account for 25% of their income goes towards me medications. Where I would argue we should have a CPI-E, a different index that takes into consideration what seniors spend their money on, uh, there's other Republicans who want to go to a chain CPI that would actually lower the amounts they get. So they don't actually believe in the promise of Social Security in the same way you and I do. Therefore, they're not necessarily looking to rationally how you preserve a program. They're fine with ratcheting that down in Medicare and Medicaid. And that's our problem. There's a huge gulf in our philosophies, not in the public, because I think the vast majority of the public supports those programs strongly, but in the political ideology of those who are making the decisions. Okay. 
Tony in Williamstown, New Jersey. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thanks, Tom, and welcome back to the show, Congressman. Thank you, Tony. Uh, I want to follow up a little bit with what your last caller did, because that's pretty much what I was calling about. When I get my paycheck every week, uh, Social Security and Medicare are separate deductions, and they should be standalone programs apart from the federal government's general fund. And I don't understand this continual talk about, well, they're going to go after it eventually. Do the people in this country understand that these are standalone uh, programs and they should not be gone after by the Republican Party? Yeah, and Tony, I would even say it a, a, even a, a little more basic. It's your money that you've put into all your life working, and now it's your, the promise is when, you're, when you need Medicare or you need your Social Security because you're eligible, that it's there avail- available for you. But you've paid into that program. So, you know, for them to go and, and reduce uh, or change some of the very programs that you've paid into, that's like theft, right? It's like stealing uh, essentially what you've put into and the promise of those programs that are very popular programs. And I think that's what we have to explain to people because we have precedent. We know that Paul Ryan has for many years uh, had things to privatize and voucherize those programs. And we need to realize there's a very logical connecting of very few dots to passing these tax bills, putting $1.4 trillion on the deficit, and then having to suddenly fix the deficit. And the only way you do it are these programs. It's, it's not a lot of dots, but we've got to make sure people really understand that's what this tax bill is when you pass that. This is what's going to happen next. Casey in West Palm Beach, Florida. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, guys. How you doing? I'm on three-way with Samuel Ronan, who ran for DNC chair. We're both going to be on with you, if that's okay. Sure. What's your question for the congressman? My, my, my question to you, congressman, why is the DNC being, uh, blocking progressives from being on with the parties? Samuel Ronan, who is on right now with us, ran for DNC chair, and they are absolutely uh, blackballing him from being with the D- with any with the D- Democrats. In other words, they want progressive voters, but they are BSing when they want to take on real, true progressive values. Gentlemen, this is Samuel Ronan, who's right next to me. Sam? Hey, everybody. Yes, um, Kevin's question, I think, is along the lines of, you said, uh, Congressman, that you're a part of the Progressive Caucus with Keith Ellison, uh, whom I met uh, earlier this year on the uh, DNC chair uh, race. Casey, you got 15 and- seconds to ask a question. Yes, the question is, with the progressive policies in Congress, for instance, universal health care, mathematically, we can prove that Medicare can cover all costs of health care in this country, which would solve a lot of the problems you're just now discussing with the the tax break. Why aren't these being proposed? Congressman? Yeah, so they they are being proposed. Um, And I I thought people were a little more up to speed on this, but we do have a bill that's a Medicare for all bill that has uh, over 60% of the Democrats in the House on the bill. Bernie Sanders has an, a very, very similar bill he introduced for the first time in the Senate. I believe, I could be wrong, but I think he has 17 sponsors in the Senate. So we actually are putting that out there, and I can tell you every town hall I go to, when we talk about health care, inevitably the conversation comes around to uh, a Medicare for all type system, and it gets the strongest response. So. Um, it actually is there. The problem is if the corporate media doesn't decide to cover it, which they don't right now, um, they, they like to cover the most recent whatever salacious sort of thing they can put out there because that gets attention and that sells detergent, um, then you, people don't know necessarily it's out there. But the good news is there has been a bill for a number of years in the House, 
60% plus of the Democrats in the House are sponsors of the bill, and Bernie Sanders put out the first bill in the Senate this year with 17 sponsors. Uh, there's a lot of support among Democrats for that concept. Congressman, last 30 seconds, what should we be looking for in doing this week? Um, calling about the tax bill, uh, it would be the number one priority, uh, and then let's watch cautiously about the so-called government shutdown and what they might try to do to, to with all the theatrics around that. Just know that their hand is always in your pocket, and uh, unless you speak up for yourself, uh, it's going to get stolen. It's, it's going to get stolen. Very, very well said. Congressman Mark Pocan, thank you so much for being with us today, sir. Absolutely. Thank you, Tom. It's great to be back. And, and I'm so glad that, that you came through your surgery fine. You, you were fortunate to have no problem before it, and, and now you're even better than before. Thank you, Congressman. Thank you very much, Tom. It's great Take having care. you with us. Congressman Mark Pocan, you can check out his website at pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. We'll be back with the news of the day, my take, and your calls. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Hey, everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink, Superbeets. Only Superbeets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Superbeets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, Call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Superbeats for free, plus indicator strips to see how Superbeats is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeats.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeats.com on the interwebs. <laughs> Welcome back. Tom Harmon here with you. And a couple of interesting pieces in the Washington Post today that I just want to flag for you, pay attention to. Uh, Aaron Blake writing in the Washington Post, the fixed column, he says uh, the headline is Trump's alternative reality or alternate reality full of lies or something even worse. And Aaron Blake says, OK, we've got this problem. Trump is constantly telling lies and he's not just telling lies. I mean, the Washington Post has documented an average of five and a half lies a day since he since he became president. And uh, that he's going to hit 2,000 lies by the end of the year. Something no president has ever even come close to. So the question is, is he stupid? Is that why he keeps telling lies? Because he keeps repeating things that have already been debunked, completely debunked. Is he stupid? Or is he uh, a professional liar? And uh, uh, Aaron Aaron, uh, Blake in the Washington Post is suggesting that uh, he's quoting uh, Jonathan Chait over at New York Magazine, saying that uh, if Trump is saying these things to aides behind closed doors, it reinforces the idea he may simply be divorced from reality. In other words, truly delusional. And he concludes by saying either Trump is lying or he truly doesn't ba- grasp basic facts. He, neither is a quality you want in the leader of the free world. Then uh, Greg Sargent comes out in the morning plum today in the Washington Post and says, no, it's even worse than that. He says, Trump is not trying to persuade anyone of anything as much as he's trying to render reality irrelevant. He's asserting a species of power, the power to evade constraints normally imposed by empirically verifiable facts. The more brazen or shameless 
the more potent the assertion of power. And they're, they're both talking about his privately telling Republicans that he thinks that Obama's birth certificate is faked and he thinks the Access Hollywood tape was made up, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty breathtaking when you get to it. Judy in Chicago. Hey, Judy, thanks for listening to WCPT. What's up? Hi, Tom. I just wanted to call in and say, you know, I'm, I'm 75, and I feel in my stomach the way I felt when, in 1948 when I was a kid, and they were teaching you how to hide under the desk because the atomic bomb might be dropped. Yep. I mean, now you have this with chlorea. And, you know, I try to keep myself uplifted, but, I mean, every day there's something more grotesque than the day before where this man is concerned. And now you have this the, the tax bill. I mean, you know, I'm on Medicare. My husband's on Medicare. Everybody I know is on Medicare. If you, I mean, it just boggles my brain that this is all going on and people can't grasp that. If we don't get out there and we don't start fighting and doing what we need to, we have a Republican Congress and a Republican Senate. Nothing is going to change. We have to vote. And unfortunately, half of the United States isn't even aware of what's going on. I have a niece in Florida. She has no clue what's going on. This is is media malpractice. I, 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 I completely agree. It's just frightening. I mean, I, I certainly hope we all get out there and vote and do what we're supposed to, because I can't afford to lose my Medicare. Yeah, well, and, and, and uh, you know, if this Republican tax bill passes, if you're on Medicare, you won't be able to afford to get cancer because they, they're probably going to stop paying for the more expensive chemotherapies. I, I, well, I know my husband's in remission, and if he had to go back on his infusions, I certainly don't have $14,000 a month to dish out. Right. For an infusion. So, I mean, let's just hope, let's just hope he doesn't. Yeah, well, and from you know. the Republican point of view, if you're not a billionaire, Judy, you're expendable. Of course, of yeah. course. I mean, you know, this is Scrooge on steroids. Yep, yep, absolutely. Well said. Judy, thank you for the call. Uh, Craig in San Jose. Hey, Craig, what's up? How are you doing, Tom? I'm fine. How are you today? Just fine. I just wanted to offer a small correction to the uh, discussion uh, earlier about uh, public financing of campaigns at the federal level. Uh, I don't think I threw in the caveat at the federal level. At the, at the federal level, it's just presidential. But at the state level, Maine, Connecticut, Florida, Hawaii, Maryland, Michigan, Arizona, North Carolina, New Mexico, Wisconsin, yes. Minnesota, Rhode Island, Vermont, West Virginia, and Massachusetts I'm well aware. all offer, and Delaware? Or yeah, you're, I'm, you're I'm well, well aware. aware. Okay. Uh, all offer public financing to candidates who qualify for it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, can I give one other piece of good news? Sure. Uh, State of California, uh, California Clean Money Campaign, uh, all, all uh, uh, nonpartisan, uh, nonprofit organization that works on election reform. Uh, we just got the California Disclose Act uh, passed into law. It will require uh, in next year's election season all ballot measure uh, campaign ads in California will be required to disclose clearly and unambiguously down at the bottom uh, who really paid for them. Uh, Whoa. The you mean really paid uh, for them? So they can't set up like the Committee to Protect Integrity and Freedom uh, exactly. when actually they're, they're the, like the, the pesticide industry. will say this ad was paid for by, it'll give the committee name, and then it will say whose principal funders are, and then it will have to list the top three funders. Wow. The strongest disclosure law in the country, and we're hoping uh, all the other states will uh, follow suit. That is great news, Craig. Thank you for that. Thank you for calling. Sharon. I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, have a good one. Yeah, have a great one. Ann in Kankakee, Illinois. Hey, Ann, what's on your mind today? 
Ann? Okay, Ann, you need to listen to your phone, not your radio. Caleb in Lake Oswego, Oregon. Hey, Caleb, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, thank you so much for coming back to Portland. It's just wonderful to have you. My pleasure. It's great being back here with my family. It's just, it's so nice. Oh, my I love the city. I contributed $100 to Free Speech TV today because you told me to. And uh, they were very appreciative for that. I, you know, one of the things I'm real concerned about, and I'm sure that you are too, the State Department on Rachel's show last night, there was a wonderful guest. And she said that between Rick Tillerson and North Korea head, there is no State Department people. It's just Rick's, you know, talking. Yeah, we don't even have an ambassador to South Korea any longer. Big pardon? We don't have an ambassador to South Korea right now. Yes, yes. I mean, but and you need them to keep on task, to pressure them, to track what's going on. You yeah. just can't have a fly, you know, fly-in person, as you know. Yeah. Yeah, you can't but, run a foreign you know, policy but, without people to implement it. Yeah, absolutely. And think about it and so on. And but Tom, I listen to your podcast every day going back to work. I love I love it. I pay for it willingly. You have a nice Tom Hartman one as well, the record. And I just really love listening to you. And Tom, welcome back. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you for your kind words. It's great to hear from you. Thank you so much. Yep. Uh, let's try Ann again in Kankakee, Illinois. Ann, can you hear me this time? Hello. Hey, you're on the air. Yes. Um, there was a, you just had a girl that called. Um, she said how every day she wakes up, there's something um, new. Right. And it's, she, everything she said is just, I want to ditto everything she said. It's, there's so many of us out here that feel that way. Right. This, is, this is how countries, um, can you, uh, Arthur, can you pot Ann's phone down a little? Because, you know, it's, it's awful loud. Not all together, so if she speaks, I can, you can bring it back up and I can hear her. Um, and this is how countries lose democracy. This is how, if you look at Turkey with Erdogan taking over, you know, the strongman government of Turkey. Um, the, the, you look at, you know, so many of our Central and South American neighbors. The way that countries lose their democracy is when a right-wing strongman comes in, seizes control of the media, or has his friends in the media, think Rupert Murdoch, or think, you know, Sinclair Broadcasting, has his friends in the media, you know, promote his agenda and, and whatnot. And it's almost always a his, by the way. And then uh, the people sit around and say to each other and to themselves, you know, there is so much crap happening. This guy is doing outrageous things day after day, every day. It's a new insult. Today he's attacking the environment. Yesterday he was attacking people of color. The day before that he was, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And people just say, screw it. I can't deal with it. And they go off and they, and they play parcheesi or they, they take up knitting. And that is the worst thing that can happen. That's exactly what they want. There is tremendous emotional resilience associated with being an activist, associated with taking action. So, Anne, I would strongly suggest if you're feeling concerned or despair, um, if you can deal with it, and some people can't. Some people just literally have to check out a politics and go off and, and uh, you know, join a commune and meditate every day or something. But if you can deal with it, then please get involved in a, you know, with one of these groups, you know, OurRevolution.com or PDAmerica.org, Progressive Democrats of America, or MoveToAmend.org, or well, you know, one of these really great groups. Get involved and do something. It'll make you feel so much better. Does that sound good, Ann? Yes, it does. Okay. I, I just want to. I just want to say thank. Um, I appreciate you, and um, I listen to Stephanie Miller, and you guys are great. Oh, thank I don't you. know what I'd do without you. Thank you, Ann. Thanks so much for your kind words. Patricia in Tuxedo Park, New York. Hey, Patricia, what's on your mind? Hi. Hey. I, is it this Patricia, me? 
That's you. You're on the oh, air. Hi, Tom. Um, I want to say two things. First of all, I listen to my local media to see what they're saying about this horrible, horrible um, tax abomination. And all they keep saying is is that the stock market's going up in the anticipation of our, our new tax plan, right. which is crazy. And then the second thing is is that some, uh, I think it's um, Senator Flake, the ones that are protesting um, that or are concerned that if uh, the the economy does not improve, that there should be some um, some provisions put in that the um, that something will happen, that the taxes will go back, that they'll generate um, tax. Well, yeah, that was Bob they won't Corker's. take it away from the corporations. They're just going to raise all the middle class and everyone else's taxes. That's right. To make us pay more. That's it, right. It is so upsetting. Yeah. You know, you, you're, you're absolutely spot on, Patricia. And in all probability, the people who own your local radio and television stations are themselves multimillionaires. And they will benefit tremendously from this Republican tax scam. And so odds are they're not going to give you all the details. <laughs> so, no, they're not. Yeah, yeah. Uh, surprise, surprise. And, that, and that's why we all need to be talking to all of our friends and neighbors using social media as aggressively as possible. Every day, try to call two or three people and share with them what's going on. And, of course, tell them about progressive media. Tell them about where they can hear the truth. Like this program. I try, but their eyes roll in the back of their head and they're going blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to do. I wish I think we should have another march like they have the women's march that everyone. Uh, I think that's a great idea. And I think those are coming, Patricia. But the, the, the number one advice I would give you is what Winston Churchill said. Never give up. Never, no, I know. Never, never, never give, never give up. There you go. Never give up. Patricia, <laughs> thank, thank you, you for the call. Great hearing from you. Suzanne in Mount Prospect, Illinois. Hey, hey, Suzanne, what's up? Hi, Tom. Hey, Suzanne. Um, I wanted to talk about the woman that called. That uh, She was saying how nobody in her family knew what was going on, especially her niece somewhere uh, knew absolutely nothing about oh. this tax bill and what it's going to do to us. Mm-hmm. And you said something about media malpractice. Yes. And I am wondering, is would, would it be a possibility that people could join together and start a lawsuit against media for malpractice? Wow. Yeah, you can sue your doctor if he intentionally screws you up. Can you sue your media if they intentionally screw you up? Um, I think not. I think the First Amendment basically gives the media the right to say and do anything they want, number one. So uh, you wouldn't have a basis for a lawsuit there. or You'd be blocked from having a lawsuit. And number two, in order to to have a civil lawsuit like that, you have to demonstrate a a harm, what's called a tort. And uh, demonstrating that you've been harmed in a way that you can quantify. You can say, okay, this harm is worth $100,000 because typically in a civil proceeding, what you're looking for is money. I mean, you might be looking for a change in behavior, but uh, I, I, I think that would be very difficult to do, Suzanne. I'd love the idea, um, you know, media malpractice, but I'm not sure how it could happen. Maybe somebody out there who is a lawyer and who understands, you know, the, the world of tort law uh, will have a better idea and can call in. But you because you've, you've started a great conversation. You got me thinking about it, too. Suzanne, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Sirius XM. Thanks for the call. Terry in uh, Albuquerque. Hey, Terry, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I have a question. I I will tell you that I'm probably more of a moderate, but I like to listen to both sides. I try to be open-minded and um, when an event happens. And I'm just curious, because I hear you talk about, like, the Koch brothers and Fox News, how they're skewed. Well, I may or may not agree, but I also see 
think that someone like, or the station like MSNBC and George Soros are just as skewed on the other side, but you never mentioned them. George Soros has not been part of the political scene in this country for years. Uh, you know, I get it that he's Jewish, and therefore, you know, the, the, the Trump guys and the anti-Semites love to drag his name out. But he's got nothing to do with MSNBC. He's got nothing to do with our media. He's not a player like the Koch brothers. He's, I mean, there's, not, there's no there there other than that, you know, it's a slur on a Jewish guy. Um, with now regard I to read, MSNBC, here's my challenge to you, Terry. And, and uh, I mean this sincerely. Um, go to the website mediamatters.org. Mediamatters.org. And they list every day the lies that were told on Fox News. Then go to MSNBC. I don't know of any website that does that for MSNBC, but please look for one. I don't think you'll find one. But if you can find a website that talks about the lies that were told on MSNBC during the day, I'd love to hear about that. I'd love to know that because to the best of my knowledge, on MSNBC sources and, and fact checks all of their information. And I, you know, the, the, the only time I've ever heard misinformation on MSNBC, I heard one story that I knew was wrong on Rachel's show once about three months ago. And the next night she came on and apologized for it and corrected it, cleaned it up. Something that I do on this show as well. I'm, you know, I'm absolutely committed to, to having everything I say on this program be stuff that it can be easily subject to fact checking. Fox, on the other hand, does the opposite. Fox, on a regular basis, literally every day, and MediaMatters.org uh, chronicles this. There's another website that chronicles it as well. Uh, which is uh, newshounds.us. They also uh, chronicle the lies on Fox News. Um, you know, they, they, they use false and deceptive narratives literally daily, Terry. So check that out. And if you can find any evidence that there is fake news on MSNBC, please call me back and I will put you on the air and we'll give it a thorough airing. Terry, thank you for the call. Pat in Ashland, Kentucky. Hey, Pat, what's on your mind? Yeah, hi, Tom. Uh, uh, we had some ladies on earlier talking about they wish they could do something. Well, I have a suggestion, an idea. Okay. I don't know if uh, you've heard of Postcards to Voters. Postcards? It's a website. Yeah. I, postcards. Pat, I'm, I, I'm okay. sorry. I missed my, my cue, and we're, hit, we're hitting at the end of the oh, show. I've got to bail out, but thank you. Call back tomorrow, I'm, and we'll talk about it, okay? Thanks a lot, Pat, for the call. And thank you so much for being with us today. Don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. That includes you. Consider becoming a precinct committee person. It's fun. It's power. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.